And welcome in to the Hitstick Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Mike Seta, joined as always to my left, the soulless canine, Rydog. What the fuck is up, Denny's? And of course, the one who's never right, but is on my right, not the quarterback, Chris Sims. What the fuck, man? So I, I like that. I, I try to change it up a little bit, you know? You did I, good. I didn't like that at all. Well, before we get started, just wanted to remind everyone to follow us on all the socials at HitSickFantasy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, feel free to follow us on our own personal Twitters. I'm at Michael underscore Seta. I'm at the real Ryan Long. I'm at Hitstick Chris. I make my own podcast. You, you already do that with flapjacks and hookers. You do you do that with <laughs> Corey and Shout Kyle out to Bender, <laughs> Futurama. Anyways, for any long form feedback, questions, recommendations, you can always send us an email, hitstickfantasy at gmail So, boys, how's everyone doing? Uh, living the American dream. What is that again? Uh, you paying for gas and groceries? Yep. Working all day to not have any money at the end of the day. Yeah, that's the American dream. So you spend all your money getting to work to make money? Yep. Yep. Yeah, same. Pay to go to work. So is there any uh, news notes or anything like that you guys want to go over before we uh, hop right into this? Um, there's not a whole lot going on this time of year. I mean, just some things to monitor, these rookies going through these training camps. I know there's some buzz on Traylon Burks a little bit, but just, you know, it's just, it's just fun to see like stories about players doing drills and stuff like that. So, did you guys see the Tariq Cohen video? Oh, yeah, I did. I know that's not really fantasy relevant because he was on. He was a free agent. I feel bad for him. That's dude. He's gotten it so bad. And like, if you read that article that came out the other day about his family and what he's been through, and then this video popping up today of what happened when he was training and popping his like the loudest pop I've ever heard of an injury. It was gross. It. I winced. I, I feel terrible for that dude. You know, I do, I do too, and I didn't even see the video, and now I'm even more pissed about a trade offer that I was given for Tariq Cohen in it, one of our dynasty leagues. This happened today, this, though. Yeah. This, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This I was, was gonna say I thought someone was trying to sandbag me. No, I was like, what the hell? I got the same offer a couple of days ago, like a fourth round pick or something yeah, yeah. in dynasty. Yeah, that was Jvac trying to. Shop that, okay, yeah, that that is. Who I it felt is. bad declining that trade today because I felt a little like you know a little. I didn't have guilt. to go through that because I declined it two seconds <laughs> after it was sent to me. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, we just had rookie drafts. I mean, that's there's a lot of fun stuff going on in fantasy, but unfortunately, from the news section, there's not a whole lot happening. So yeah, last thing to keep your eye on is what happens with the whole Deshaun Watson, you know, interviewing with the commissioner, as well as what's going to go on with Mister Jerry Judy. Uh, being arrested, posted bail. Doesn't I, look like it's anything too serious. No, nah, he should be fine. I think Judy's fine. Because yeah. um, his girlfriend or whatever, I don't. I mean, I wasn't there. I don't know the all ins and outs of everything. But from what I heard, she came out and basically said she doesn't want any charges, nothing pressed. Like, she doesn't want this to impact his life. Like, there was no domestic violence or anything along those yeah, lines. Yeah, it was just basically a formality. Like, yeah. cops have to take somebody away at that point, so... That's why he was taken in, but he should be fine from discipline from the league. Yep. Yeah, you always just got to monitor those things, especially in the offseason. Similar to the Alvin Kamara thing that happened earlier, you know, that That's one, one maybe be coming down with some suspension. So just keep your eyes on those. Can't catch a ball, can't catch a case. I do think Kamara is going to get a suspension. So for whatever that is worth. So, but are we ready to dive into our first segment? Let's get it. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sophomore sleeper. All right, so for this week's show, we're going to be doing a lot of sleeper talk, a lot of late round guys, and a lot of guys who we think can just what a sleeper is completely outplay their ADP and help win some leagues because that's the goal. 
So first segment, we're going to go dive into sophomore sleepers, guys who were formerly rookies, maybe kind of underperformed last year, maybe performed okay, but we think there's a lot higher ceiling than what we saw last season. Ryan, get us started. I will get us started, and I'm going with Mr. Travis Etn, running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know if the NFL has like a Ben Simmons rule where a guy who was hurt all of last year can win rookie of the year, but uh, if he can, put him up in contention. Uh, Travis Etienne currently, and I know it's pretty early, so we don't really know. He's going around the RB 22 to 24 range. And I I expect that to rise a little bit. I do too, because I think that is his absolute floor. If we have a healthy season out of him. Uh, one thing we get is he's coming back from a foot injury that, you know, sidelined him for the full year, but had they been a playoff team, he would have returned last year. So they didn't have to bring him back. So he should be good to go for the start of the season. That's a big plus. He's got that first round draft capital from last year where they are vested in him. That's a big plus. James Robinson, the former RB1 of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who was, I believe, a sixth-round pick. who was turned Undrafted, up, actually. Undrafted. Yeah. Turned up RB1 seasons with that team. Tore his Achilles on December 26th last year. So he's going to be missing significant time going into this season. So there is no real competition for him to be an RB1 on that team. Oh, you don't like Snoop Connor? I, I like Snoop <laughs> Connor, but I don't think Snoop Connor is going to threaten the workload no. of first-round pick former college best friend of their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne. So if Travis Etienne is going into the RB 22 to 24 range, I am hopping on that all day because, like I said, I think that is actually his floor of a full healthy season. You have the upside of an RB1 type player, somebody who can pass, who can catch the ball and run the ball, and you can have significant fantasy performance. So I, I am riding high with Travis Etienne this year. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. I do like a lot of, you know, kind of buying the dip on, you know, guys who are extremely talented players after they, you know, do suffer pretty serious injury. With today's medicine, people come back quicker and quicker, it seems like. My biggest thing with him is the one thing you said about the draft capital. He did get drafted in the first round, but it was by a different regime. I was going to say that, too. So that is the main thing. Like, I don't know if I could put as big of a, you know, a value on where he got drafted because it's a new coach, new coaching staff, could be a new scheme, you know, all that different thing that goes into it. So I agree with most of it, but that's one thing I'm going to keep my eye on is how he's working out. I get the different regime argument, and I would say that's normally reserved for like a quarterback type of position. That is, they didn't get their guy. Quarterbacks are their guy. When it comes to skill position players, they generally ride with what they have at that moment. And Travis Etienne was a stud in college. There's a reason he went in the first round when running backs, you know, like we saw this year, Brees Hall is a stud. He was not a first round draft pick. There were two taken last year, and they were the best college running backs last year in that in Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. It sucks he had to sit out all of last year because I really, really did love this kid. I, I think was he, excited for him, too. I think he has tremendous upside, and the fact that he gets to bond with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence needs a pick-me-up year. He needs his guys around him. They went and spent the most money this offseason bringing guys in. They beefed up that offensive line, grabbed uh, Scherf, the guard. So they plan on they do plan on running the they ball sure a lot this didn't year. Beef up that receiving room. No, they, they didn't. spent money on it. They though. spent money on the wrong dudes. So yeah. who's the best receiver they have on that team right now? Travis Etienne, probably Lavisca. Yeah, I love Lavisca, but we you know that's we we loved Lavisca. We'll see I how that do. turns out. I, so, I still like I still love Lavisca. I think Etienne's ceiling is top five, but his floor is where he's being drafted right now. So I, I'm all over that. I don't see the top five ceiling for a guy coming off the list Frank injury because that's a bad injury. And I, I just don't know if he's going to have what it takes to put up the amount of yards on the ground and get in the end zone. But I do see a lot of high upside for him. I love Travis Etienne. He's one of my favorite players 
to um i, I mean like if you want to jump back to a dynasty podcast recently I, i've kind of highlighted in a dynasty standpoint you should not be trying to buy him just because of the youth and like the value that he's at but as far as a redraft perspective if he's going as like rb20 in between that 20 to 24 range i think that's a great value for him i agree with everything set aside on the regime just to kind of like piggyback off of that point from Seta. One last thing to kind of throw in on that. They drafted ETN because they wanted Kadarius Tony and they thought that he was the closest thing, which doesn't make a lot of, a lot of things. Jacksonville doesn't make any sense, but that being said, there is a absolute, just he's so good in the passing game from a just pure talent perspective. And he does have that relationship with Trevor Lawrence. I think it's a great value. I'd be all over him if he stays in that ADP range. Yep. All right, Chris, who do you got? Oh, we're all going to have the best point here go second you know because i'm always right sitting right at you whatever here we go i'm going to talk about rashad bateman wide love receiver wah, for wah. the baltimore ravens how do you not love rashad bateman come on now. no i was saying your comeback was getting that oh, yeah. wah, wah. <laughs> fair enough i i just really like everything he has to offer he was one of my favorite receivers coming into last year he would be one of my favorite receivers in this year's rookie class if he was a rookie this year i I would have him right there with garrett wilson right there with drake london last year's class was just phenomenal but he also started off last year kind of hurt so that kind of that's done in his growth a little bit abdominal injury yeah he in training camp it held him out for the beginning but this is what i really like about bateman we saw them trade away hollywood brown which shows right off the rip that they are invested in their first round pick last year, which this is the same regime. It's been the same regime in Baltimore for, you know, we who even remembers at this point how long. I hate Arbrell so much. But um, anyway, I, I just think there's a lot of upside. He's the kind of receiver that a quarterback really loves to just target. And from what I noticed last year, there was a massive jump in Baltimore's pass attempts. They went from averaging in between 400 to 450 attempts per year all the way up to 621 attempts. Now, I don't expect that to stay there. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that their entire running back room went down to massive injuries. But they are trying to air it out more because they're not, as much as I despise the organization, they are a good, well-run organization that is fully aware that right now Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow are in their conference. And the AFC as a whole is just a shootout, air it out conference. Notice how he didn't say Kenny Pickett? Well, I mean, we're not there yet. We got to see how he plays. But anyway. And see if you can hold the ball. Get, get over this. <laughs> but I mean. My tiny hands. We lost. Will you guys shut up? <laughs> On the Kenny Pickett shit. I can't wait to watch him just beat the shit out of the Browns. Well, I'm sure he will, but it's so funny to talk about his tiny hands right now. Yeah, tiny hands. I don't know if he's going to beat the shit out of the Browns. Always going to. We'll bet. We'll make bets on this. Don't worry. That time will come. But anyway. They lost 146 targets last year from Hollywood Brown. He saw 23% of the team's entire target share. And I I just think that a lot of that is going to go to Bateman because of just what I – mean, you look at that team, there's really only two solidified pass-catching options. That's Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman. I do think Baltimore is a run-first team. I definitely expect that number to come down. But it's not going to matter because there's only two people really that are getting pieces of that pie. And Bateman is a good – player we saw I watched a lot of film on him he's a phenomenal route runner he's very very good at contested catches as long as he can stay healthy I think he's in a very good position to outplay whatever his ADP is and be one of those sophomore breakouts and submerge himself into that top 24 top 20 even at the wide receiver position I think he definitely has a super high ceiling for a second year wide receiver he uh he's someone I'm very curious about with uh He's kind of, in a weird way, the fourth option on his team after Andrews, you know, whether that's Dobbins, Edwards, whoever's a running back is, and then Lamar Jackson. So he'll be the fourth option for fantasy points. 
But like you said, we've seen Lamar Jackson lead the league in touchdown passes before, so anything is possible. And I do love Bateman, the player. So if he can go up and get it and be that stud, he does have a really high ceiling. And Lamar took a massive step forward last year as a passer. You know, we saw him be a lot more efficient with his throws, a lot more. He had a lot more accuracy than usual. It was definitely kind of a step forward for him. So he's not quite there yet, but. I think he is improving, and this is going to be a big year for Baltimore. they got to make sure that he can actually get it done as a quarterback because they're about to lock him down for a lot of money if they're going to keep him as their quarterback. So I definitely see an uptick in targets, and a lot of them are going Bateman's way. Yeah, I don't hate on the player too much. Um, I kind of agree with a lot of what both of you guys were saying. I think my biggest concern with him is he is going to be that number one option as a receiver. So... Does that make his ADP creep up to where it's not even over? You might be overpaying for him to get him on some of your teams this year. Because I definitely like Mark Andrews. I think they're going to run the crap out of the ball. So that's the biggest thing that makes me worried about it is I want to see where that kind of lies come draft season. But don't hate the player. He's going to be the number one guy out there. So Yeah, if you can get him in fifth or sixth round come draft day, I think that's a good place for him. So. Yeah, that, that's a little rich, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, we got to see the, how the landscape kind of works the way out with the ADPs and everything like that. Um, but moving on here, I'm going to get going with my sophomore uh, sleeper, who was one of my favorite rookies last year and honestly kind of disappointed me. And that is Mr. Rondell Moore for the Arizona Cardinals. He posted a whopping 1.4 average depth of target last year, which is probably 150th in the league. Terrible. Yeah. I can only see that improving. Um, last season, he only had 64 targets and 18 rushes. Um, but my biggest point on why he's a kind of a sleeper is there's so many vacated targets from that team this year. You had six targets per game from Christian Kirk. You had, with D-Hop only playing 10 games last year, he averaged 6.4 per game, which isn't a crazy amount, which you would think he would have a lot more. And he's missing, again, six more games at least. Chase Edmonds, 4.4 targets per game. So you're looking at about 16 targets per game that's going to go untaken. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, like Chris was highlighting before, had a huge major step last season in his targets. And even if he even goes up from those targets that he had in Baltimore, I can't see him getting more than, you know, 13 targets per game. That leaves so many unvacated targets for Rondell Moore and a lot of their other receivers. You know, I just think... When he only averages four per game, that's a terrible, terrible, you know, stat for a guy who's such a great player after the catch. And if you just have a little bit of an uptick from those four targets per game for him, say you give him six and a half, seven, you can get about 800 yards. That would be a perfect, perfect, you know, stat line for a guy you're going to draft way later in your drafts. Plus, you only had one touchdown last year. I can definitely see that being improved without D-Hop on the field. And I think they're going to get him some carries, too. They, they, that's what they need to do. Get him the ball in space. I love Rondell Moore. That's the thing. I love Rondell Moore, the player. He was awesome at Purdue, and he, he showed flashes when he was given the opportunity, but the problem is he doesn't get that opportunity so often. You know, even when DeAndre Hopkins was out last year, guys like A.J. Green and Antoine Wesley stepped in and played most of the snaps. Rondell Moore was kind of, he was left in that, like, weird island area where he might only see three to four looks a game. So that's, that's not great for fantasy production, but if you're getting, like, a high upside player super, super late in drafts, you know, he does have a tremendous ceiling if he does get those looks. But with Hollywood Brown being there, I'm going to have to say I'm off on more personally, but I can definitely see good things happen for him. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is with Christian Kirk mostly operating in that slot, that's where 
Rondell's going to thrive. And he is, I mean, with that 1.4 average depth of target, that's straight bubble screens. That's where he got most of his targets. And there's there's definitely going to be an improvement from that because you're going to have someone like Hollywood Brown who can actually space the field. Yes, 100% with Hollywood Brown opening things up. I, I love Rondell Moore. I think he's a great player. He's somebody that I definitely wanted to, like, I, I wanted to buy him in most of my dynasty leagues. I feel like he's going to take a step forward. So I'm all about that take. All right. Is that it for the sophomore sleepers? That is. I think that's it. It's time to move forward. Let's get it. Alrighty, so for our next segment, we're going to kind of go keeping in the whole sleeper mindset, and this one we're going to call the deep sleepers. So whether it's guys you can just get way beyond where you think they're going to perform for their ADP, or maybe some guys that you can grab in the last few rounds of your draft. You know, these are some guys that we think are going to completely outplay where they're drafted at. So I'm just going to jump in real quick, and I'm going to get started with my guy. My guy, I'm not going to lie, I think he's a little risky. And the main reason is uh, he plays with a team with an emerging sophomore potential sleeper. Actually, I don't think Gabe Davis is a sophomore anymore. I think he's third year. But anyways, it's Mr. Jameson Crowder for the Buffalo Bills. Now, he he should be taking over the role for Cole Beasley, who's had over 100 targets over the last three seasons. Cole Beasley has a career 10.4 yards per reception, and Jameson Crowder, 11.3. So if we don't see that... emergence that we kind of saw in the playoffs with Gabe Davis, we can see a solid, solid number two option for one of the most pass happy and explosive offenses in the NFL. The only one else they've added in the off season is fifth round pick clear secure who that's really his only competition. And I definitely like the running back they picked up, but I don't think he's going to be taking a hundred targets like Cole Beasley had last year. No, it, and it is a weird situation because Jameson Crowder might be one of the more underrated fantasy players we've seen in recent years. A guy who, yeah, he's not great on a week-to-week basis, but he consistently sees double-digit targets. And that's those are the numbers you look for in fantasy football. Now, while Buffalo Bills have been more of like a, they've been very pass-happy, but they funnel those to like one or two or possibly three guys. So I don't know how much Crowder is going to actually see. I'm expecting a huge year for Gabe Davis, actually, on the other end of that spectrum. But if anything were to happen to one of their top receivers, sure, Jameson Crowder might step in and actually get a real, real good workload. I will never draft Jameson Crowder because of the curse of Crowder, as you guys all know. Understandable. Home team league uh, lingo here. But um, I actually got it. I mean, I don't – If even if you throw that out the window, I'm more excited for Gabriel Davis this year than I am Jameson Crowder. I just think that Gabriel Davis has – a higher ceiling with red zone targets. That's kind of where he thrives. He's the person that can score the touchdowns. If there's anybody on that team that's got a shot outside of Diggs to put up double-digit touchdowns, in my opinion, it's definitely Gabriel Davis. I think Crowder could see a nice, steady target share in between that, like, I don't know, you, you, you might get something like in between five to ten targets per game, you know, depending on the week and depending on the situation, if they're in a shootout or not. But I just don't really see a lot of scoring opportunities for him. He's probably going to be in between that three to five at the most touchdown range. That that's I think that even that's being generous. But so you're going to get a lot of games of like probably – you know, five receptions for maybe 50 to 60 yards, which isn't You're bad. getting the Cole Beasley role is yes. essentially what you're getting with him, which was, you know, a fine flex play when you needed it. 
I think, and I to set us point here, I do think Crowder could provide you a nice floor for a flex play exactly. in a desperation situation on a bye week as long as he carves out that slot role. But I would personally rather swing for the fences and get Gabriel Davis, the guy that can put up 10 to 15 touchdowns. So Yeah, yeah as much as, trust me, do not get me wrong, I love Gabe Davis. I think he's going to be a stud. But there's also a chance that we've seen the top end of what he can do. And I'm not talking about that four-touchdown game, which is a complete outlier. There is a lot of recency bias with Gabe Davis Ex- because of that. Exactly. And I think that's the main reason why I like Jay Trowder as a sleeper is because of all that hype, all that recency bias. You're going to be able to pick up Jameson Crowder for pretty much free. And in those last picks of your round, those are usually roster churners where you're just going to be picking up and dropping guys. If you could get a guy who's going to get you 7 to 12 points a week, I'll take that any day of the week with one of my last few round picks. There you go. Not All right, Ryan, who you got? Um, I went here with Mr. Russell Gage, somebody who I've kind of been a sneaky fan of for the past few years. He's, he has not been fantastic for fantasy purposes. This is not a wide receiver one we're talking about. This is not a wide receiver two we're talking about. This is a wide receiver four to five with, you know, flex play op- optionability. But what he has been for the NFL purposes is a solid wide receiver too. Somebody you can line up on the opposite of a big stud wide receiver. He played fine when he had to step in with Julio Jones. He played fine when he had to step in with Calvin Ridley. He's somebody who can see 100 targets a year, and he's done it the past two years. He is a fine player. Now he gets a three-year, $30 million contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have going on is a little bit of a question mark at the wide receiver position. Antonio Brown, he took his shirt off. He's gone. He did take his shirt off. Rob Gronkowski, who knows what the fuck that dude's doing because he's out partying right now. He's not answering any phone calls. He might show up for training camp and he might show up for the season. Who knows? You're left with Mike Evans and a ace coming off a fresh ACL tear in the late end of the season with Chris Godwin. They obviously paid Chris Godwin. He's their wide receiver two or their possible wide receiver one moving forward. But if he's not healthy to start the season, you're running out with Mike Evans and Russell Gage. What we know is... Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time. He throws the yards. He throws the touchdowns. He is highly efficient. He finds his guys. If Russell Gage is playing 80-plus percent of the snaps, you're going to get a fantastic wide receiver who's being drafted right now around wide receiver 50. If I can tell you that you'd get a Tom Brady receiver who's on the field for most of the plays at wide receiver 50, I think you'd be buying that all day. And that's something I'm going to be buying all day this year. So you know how I am. I'm strategic. Um, I, what I would be doing with Russell Gage is I would be drafting him. And then selling him four weeks into the season. Yeah, so the, I, would try, I would target the Chris Godwin owner, who's probably off to a rough start because he had, I mean, Chris Godwin's probably still going to be a top six round pick regardless of the injury status or not. But I would definitely take Russell Gage, the back of my draft, plug him in as a flex, let him do wonders for my team, but then I do think Chris Godwin gets back to... Of course. So, I mean, I, we, we never know. Sometimes with those ACL injuries, it takes a full year for them to kind of get back into their own, but that's what I would do. I'd be trying to flip Russell Gage come a few weeks in. So I, I definitely like him as a sleeper pick. Yeah, I think Russell Gage kind of falls into a similar, you know, role like Jameson Crowder, who I was talking about, where, you know, he could pop in as that number two guy, number two option for him, depending on what happens, but... There's just so much talent in front of him, and that normally wins out when it comes to the NFL. So, But the thing is, Russell Gage is the number two guy right now. I mean, you don't think that Godwin's going to play early at all? or They're, He's coming off of an ACL tier. He might not be there for the first two weeks of the season. He's going to be missing most of the camp. He's yeah. not going to be able to perform. I mean, I'll get right an injury the update on him. I'm not sure if I'm going to want to, you know, draft. Because I feel like, you know, even even more to the point, if, if – um, 
if Chris Godwin's out for the first few weeks, there, that's when Russell Gage is going to start sneaking up on the ADP. Are you going to spend a 10th, 11th, 12th round draft pick on a guy you can use for two weeks? I'd be willing to go to wide receiver 40 if that's the case of how it's looking. So It's just, Tom Brady throwing him the ball. Just to uh, interrupt here, uh, update on Chris Godwin, ACL. There is no timetable on a return for him as of right now, as of today, which was literally three hours to go. Exactly. You were getting a guy who is going to be missing all of the important stuff of football. All of the camps, all of the, like, he's not going to be on the field for that. He'll be in the meetings, but he's not going to be on the field for that stuff. Chris Godwin is a stud. Don't get me wrong. He is a, somebody you would be taking in the second, third rounds had this injury not happen. So I'm not saying Russell Gage is Chris Godwin or he's worth that high of capital. But if you can get similar production to start the season and, you know, maybe Russell Gage has a surgeon tier. He has seen a hundred targets before he has had fantasy weeks winners before. Yeah. He's definitely not a guy I'm staying away from. Um, I agree with you. I'm not targeting him. Yeah. I think my biggest concern would be when I'm getting ready to make that run. And let's say I start off hot cause I got Russell Gage and you know, I'm five and two or I'm six and one. And you know, I'm getting ready to go towards those playoffs and everything like that in a few weeks. And then, Gronk is playing again. He starts developing more chemistry. Chris Godwin comes back. Mike Evans is still there. You know, like there's just so many. When when you need him, I don't know how good he's going to be for you. So that's also, the main thing. That I'll concerns. give you a this or that position. Somebody who's going drafted right around him right now. Well, there's other pass catcher options there too. Don't forget they invested an early draft pick in uh, Rashad White, right. one of the best pass catching running backs from this class. And they also used a somewhat early pick on that uh, Cade Otten, the tight end. Yeah, Kate Otten. Yeah, like he's he he didn't look that bad either. So I mean, there is options, but and I, he's a guy coming off an injury too. He was projected to be a top like three tight end in this year's draft. So, you but know, a he, three he can year emerge. a three year thirty million dollar contract. There was, I mean, but at the same time, how much of that was inflated due to Christian Kirk destroying the wide receiver? Not market? much. I mean, they're only paying him like two million in the first year. This is a back ended contract, so they can get out of it after ten million on the second year. So nothing crazy like that. But I'm just all right. So like I was saying, who would you rather have going this year? They're being drafted right around each other. Uh, Russell Gage or Jarvis Landry? Juice. Um, that one is tough. I I would probably go Landry as of today, just because I don't personally believe Michael Thomas is going to be on the field yet. Yeah, I think the the talent in front of those players are way different. Like I think Mike Evans is still in his prime. Mike Thomas, we haven't seen him play in a while. Chris got Chris Olave could be a stud. Who knows? And then yeah. that's where it ends. Yeah, I, I'm going Russell Gage. Well, here. Kamara is still the number one option on that yeah. team. But. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not out on Russell Gage. I just think that with everything that you said and everything you highlighted, Ryan, it's going to make him creep up into maybe not a sleeper territory and maybe a a pick that's going to make or break your team if you got to take him in the eighth round possibly. Now, there is a world that that doesn't happen because we saw last year Russell Gage essentially be the wide receiver one for the Atlanta Falcons, and he really didn't put up those eye-popping numbers. He is not a wide receiver one. No, he's not. Especially on a garbage team. But he's not on a garbage team, and he's not a wide receiver one right now. Uh, He's interesting. I'm I'm similar to Seta with this one. I hate agreeing with Seta, but, you know. I should have pulled up his stats when he played alongside great receivers. I mean, I'm not. It's like I said. That's my fault. I'm not against him. I'm just, I'm not really going out. I'll of show you guys game. wrong. Okay. okay. All right. Calm, calm down there, buddy. This is just Russell like Gage season, baby. I was going to say, this seems like Marvin Jones of last year. <laughs> Marvin <laughs> Jones was fantastic to start We're the year. We're over here. Yeah, for literally like two or three games. And then you really fell off after that. I should have sold him. This is Ryan right now listening to us slander Russell Gage. Oh. Erroneous. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Erroneous. Erroneous. <laughs> All right, moving on, Chris. Who do you got for your deep sleeper? I'm going to send us home. I'm going to double down on somebody that I've been very much uh, slandering this offseason, and I'm going to say my sleeper target would be running back for the Los Angeles Rams. That is – Whoa. Did I say that wrong? You did. Is that the Los Angeles Rams? What is it? You mean the Los Angeles Chargers? Daryl Henderson. Oh, you did – you didn't change it in the doc. I know. That's on Chris. Say erroneous. That's on Chris. Oh. Erroneous. That's on Chris. Erroneous. Erroneous on both counts. Blame him for not changing Should it in the, in the doc. It don't matter. Well, yeah. I this think I think Ryan should have let him just speak a little bit instead of interrupting so rudely. Yeah, I know. He said the wrong. Daryl Henderson, <laughs> Henderson for the Rams, not Isaiah Spiller for the Chargers. Who you have in the doc? I pivoted. All right. Pivot. 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 <laughs> so... But um yeah, I look, Daryl Henderson is somebody that I've never been crazy like on the train of, but I do think his ADP is gonna take a massive hit due to the hype train that is all aboard for Cam Akers. And a lot of this is more against Cam Akers than it is pro Daryl Henderson. But what I do know is Sean McVay loves to utilize his running back room. No matter who is playing running back for that man, you're gonna get fantasy production out of him. This guy brought back Sony Michelle last year from the dead. So I mean there's a lot of upside there. And I Cam Akers is coming off of that Achilles injury. I understand that he played last year. And for whatever reason, the entire fantasy community wants to make a big deal out of that. I could go play in the NFL too. If I looked the way Cam Akers looked, it doesn't matter. He looked like garbage. He almost fumbled away the game against Tampa Bay and lost them their Super Bowl run. He did not look good. Did Chris just say he could play in the I NFL? Think he did. I, I was... I'm just saying, like I, I was kind of agreeing with what you were saying, but now you just lost yeah. me. Well, I'm like I'm just saying, like everyone's like he came back and he played, like it's a big deal. Okay, did you watch the way he played? He did not look good. He looked terrible. Cam Akers isn't good. I mean, that's at this point in time, I agree with you. I think here's the thing: that Achilles injury for running backs is no joke. Those are bad injuries, and I understand medicine has improved, and I understand like ACL tears and stuff are not anywhere near what they used to be. But that one in specific for running backs. It's basically almost a death sentence. I mean, we've seen Marlon Mack had it. He's never looked the same since then. It took Deonta Foreman like four seasons just to get back to being able to be a backup in the NFL for with that exact same injury. So I just, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sold on Cam Akers for this season. I'm not sold on him being able to hold up. We've never seen Cam Akers hold up for a full year. He's literally done nothing in his entire career except get hurt. And We've seen Henderson come in and put up respectable numbers. I mean, he averaged, I'm, and I threw away, so he got hurt like right after the bye week, and he tried to play a few times. I threw away those two games because they were borderline irrelevant. He didn't do anything because he couldn't really be on the field. He played like barely any of the snaps. He basically was averaging 14.5 points per game. So that's pretty solid production for a guy that you can get towards the back of your draft. And I, like I said, I, I hate you know using a take and basing it off of injury, but I just truthfully don't expect Cam Akers to A, make it through the year, and B, be productive. So I'm on the Daryl Henderson train. Listen, you guys know, first and foremost, I am the biggest Daryl Henderson fan there you is are. in this room. I, I was singing his praises all of last year. I think Henderson's great. He is like an over five-yard per carry average, I think, for his career. He is a good running back, and McVay loves him. McVay has learned his lesson with Todd Gurley. Like, they learned, like, okay, we can't keep uh, paying running backs. We can't, you know, we're going to use them for their rookie contract and send them on their way. With Cam Akers blowing out his Achilles last year, they're going to give him his opportunity and run him through. But if he is not performing, they're going right back to Henderson, and he will be a borderline RB1. 
if yeah. he gets the, if he gets the carries. Anybody yeah. on that team that gets the bulk load of the carries has RB1 potential. Yeah, he kind of uh, – I think he fits the bill of if you're building your team in that zero RB strategy where you hammer, you know, wide receivers and you maybe get a top tight end and you just need a lot of upside in those middle rounds. I think the biggest concern is if you do take a couple running backs early in your draft, are there going to be some good values at receiver around where Daryl Henderson is going to be going? Because he is going to be in that you know mix of a running back by committee. Could be going a little bit earlier than you would want to take as a guy who may not play a lot or may play a lot. You never know. But he's definitely a guy worth taking a shot on if that's like you're betting on upside when it comes to running back. Do you know where he's going like RB-wise like at, at the moment? I don't right now off the top of my Because if head. he's like going like outside of like the top 30, 35, I'm hammering that I think every day of the week. To. Then yeah. Jimmy Henderson all day, and I because and I don't agree with you with that. McVeigh's learned his lesson. I think McVeigh still wants a workhorse back. I think McVeigh's still going to talk like he wants a workhorse back, but I just don't think it's going to work that way because Cam Akers cannot hold up on a workhorse role. He's we've seen him try to do it twice now. I mean, this is two for two now. He's batting a thousand and getting hurt, and every, he sucks. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's not like I said. He he almost cost them that Super Bowl by fumbling the ball away because he sucks. Brady. I, yeah, and then when you think about, like, the backup running backs who can hold some value, you know, you think of the Kareem Hunts of the world, the Melvin Gordon, the Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. I think he fits right in there with the Alexander Madison role to where there's a ton of upside if you snag him in your drafts. I think he's in the, more of the Kareem Hunt role where he has he has flex-worthy appeal on a week-to-week basis. He could definitely get there. And, like, and it's kind of like what Seta was saying. I actually, if you know, if you go running back, running back in the first two rounds of your draft and then you just smash value receiver in majority of those rounds and kind of you're building your team that way, he could fit the mold of somebody great for you to grab, you know, towards those mid-team. As those, your RB3. Or like, yeah, or like RB3 or 4, like that, and hold that kind of an upside. And then you have a stacked receiving room and you have two studs at running back. So I think I think he's going to have a lot of value this year. And a lot of it, like I said, is just I do not trust Cam Akers. Because he sucks. Yeah, last thing with the Rams is they did have a little bit of a uh, transition when it comes to their offensive line. Old man Witt's gone as well as they lost their uh, starting guard from last year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I think their offense is going to be fine. Not a bit concerned in my opinion, but just something to keep your eye on. Yeah. Ryan, why do you hate Cam Akers? Because he sucks. Why? Because fuck him. That's why. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, has anybody got anything else? I think that's it. That is all today, boys. Do you guys know Drew Brees might be coming out of retirement? Uh, he's not going to be a fucking NFL player. He's just <laughs> he like they're seven. not going to bring him back to NBC. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's just pissed he's not getting paid as much as some of the other guys getting paid on TV. I saw Tom Brady getting like 40 mil a year for it's 10 like, years without even like being in the room. He's like, I get to play more football and then go to this contract? Yeah. <laughs> he's so tired of having Tom Brady beat him and everything. <laughs> <laughs> he's, so, he's like, I thought I was done with this. <laughs> So, well, set us, send us home. All righty, gentlemen and ladies. Just wanted to thank everybody for tuning in this week. Make sure to hit us up on any of the social media platforms at HitStickFantasy on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as our own personals at Michael underscore Seta. At the real Ryan Long. And I'm at HitStickChris. Also, any long-form feedback, send us an email, rank, review, and subscribe at HitStickFantasy. Get at us. Fuck you, slap nuts. Damn.